Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Well, greetings and salutations. Okay. When I say greetings and salutations to you this morning, and uh, I'm going to have you respond to me by saying greetings and salutations, Wayne, and that includes everybody who's in the cafe and who's in the atrium and up in the chapel and those who are online, because it's church this morning, amen? amen. All right, Get, greetings and salutations. Okay, maybe if you were real special, we could pray and be done. No. It's great to have you with us here this morning. Again, a warm welcome if you're visiting. Thanks for coming to Center Street Church. Uh, we're going to continue into this Into the Wild series that has been opening our hearts and minds to become more missional, incarnational by living out the gospel through community. And this week, uh, we get to look at the theme of living out. And I want to define this for us as we go into our time today. Living out is where all of these parts that we have been involved these last four weeks meet the real world by living among, listening to, and loving people with a desire of connecting them to Jesus Christ in the Christian community in which we share. So that's our definition of living out. Now, a sermon can take on many different roles. And I feel that my role today for you is to excite you and to inspire you and to motivate you and even affirm you as a congregation. We're going to look at the life of Moses through Exodus uh, chapters 3 and 4. So if you have your Bibles, that's where we're going to spend most of our time today. Along with some words and encouragement from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 on this whole theme of living out. Now I was reminded again this week that God's people are indeed living out their beliefs and their convictions. These last five or six weeks, I have had the privilege of serving beside many of you as we responded to the floods. I got to see people serving sacrificially and giving generously and loving people in spite of their circumstances and not even knowing them, but extending that hand of love. Stories of people that have been supported in their time of need has actually had to, has made them step back and evaluate their own relationship with this God that people spoke about. I read in one article this week that a thousand people a day are accepting Jesus Christ in Ethiopia. I received a report from one of our missionaries involved in camp this summer that out of 46 students that they took to camp, 15 made first time commitments to Jesus Christ. A team this week on Tuesday left for Moldova from Center Street Church to work with our partner church over there who is committed at getting girls out of the sex trade over there and making a difference by helping them and giving them hope. Even our own benevolence ministry here at Central Campus is not just providing food cards and bus tickets for those in need, though it does provide a need, it's helping them to understand the hope that lies within us of that love and gentleness and respect that we have for all of God's humanity. And at times, friends, to be honest with you, when I read the paper or I, I uh, look at the news, I, I, I kind of focus on what's not right with the world and all the negativity and all the stuff that's going on. And I got to step back and remind myself what it says in, in Philippians 4.8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true and noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. 
I need to remind myself that people living out their commitments and their beliefs is happening on a regular basis and I need to give God praise for that, be part of that, and be encouraged by that. Just before we get into the word, let's pray together and invite the Lord's presence. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your written word today. And God, help me to get out of the way. I do not need to be involved in this, Father, as your word is very clear from the relationship that you had with Moses. And oh God, today I pray that you'd open up the hearts and minds of our people and have your spirit move and have your being here today as we look at his life and learn some inspirations and some observations from that. Thank you for these amazing people that have chosen to be in your house and to to be online in all the different places that they're hearing your word. Bless them for that today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now this passage of scripture is not going to be new for many of you, right? But for me on my spiritual journey, I really can relate deeply to Moses. He's kind of one of my heroes of the faith. And I hope to draw some inspirations and observations out of his journey with God that can excite all of us in this whole theme of living out. So in Exodus 3, we see that Moses is tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he's led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appears to him in the flames of fire from within a bush, and Moses saw that the bush was not burned up. And Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight. Why doesn't the bush burn up? And God says, don't come any closer, Moses. Take off your sandals, for where you stand is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And at this, and at this point, Moses hides his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord says in verse 7, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their sufferings. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. We go into chapter 4 and we read that, you know, what's that in your hand, God says to Moses. And he says, it's a staff. He says, well, throw it on the ground. Threw it on the ground, it became a snake. Then the Lord said, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. It turns back into a staff. He says, this is so that they may believe the Lord, your God. that 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 I am the Lord God of their fathers. And Moses keeps talking about, Lord, pardon me. I've never been eloquent. I don't know how to, I'm not a really great speaker. And all the different things. And he continues on in this whole dialogue with God. And so when I read this and go through it, I got some observations I want to bring out to you today. The first observation is this. God sees something in Moses and God sees something in you. Now let's remember. Let's remember Moses' past here. Moses is a murderer, he's a coward, he is uh, a bit of a hothead, he's got lots of stuff. I mean, the best days for Moses were behind him, right? He was the prince, he had all the toys and whistles, he had everything in the palace, the whole nine yards. At this point, you know, the best is behind. Now we see him, he's tending his father-in-law's sheep, he's a sheep herder. But see, the thing is, friends, God sees in Moses so much more. God sees that potential and that value, that, that, that he is valued. There's so much more to Moses. And friends, I can tell you right now that he sees that in you too. That God sees something in each one of you. Everyone that's hearing this message, God sees something in you. He believes in you. 
He chooses and knows the best about you. And then when I kind of cross-reference with, with Old Testament characters, I see Gideon, that he was the least of his family and from the least tribe of Israel, but he's the one who led Israel to victory over a very cruel enemy. David, King David, he's an adulterer, he's a murderer, he's a poor father, yet we read that he's a man after God's own heart. Jeremiah, the prophet with depression, he felt he was too young to contribute to the kingdom of God. Abraham and Sarah felt they were too old. Ruth was a foreign widow with no future. And, and Isaiah himself writes in his letter that I am a man of unclean lips. See, friends, God saw something more than just the surface in all of these people. And he sees something in you, and you need to be reminded about that today. The only difference is timeline and history. It happened back then, and it happens the same today. And, and I just want to say, do you really realize that the God of all the creation and the universe and the heavens and earth is your biggest believer? That he sees in things in you, that he believes in you, that he values you? Because there's so much in this world that tells us that we're not. But that's why we have that hope in God. And we need to know that when we go living out, when we go out on this command to live out, that we need to look for both our marching orders from God and our affirmation from God and not getting those mixed up. Many of you know that uh, I love baseball. Uh, it's my favorite sport. And in fact, we were talking backstage about four years ago. I preached in August at the time and I used pictures when I went to New York and got to visit Yankee Stadium. And I'm a big Yankees fan and there was lots of complaints that came into the church about that. But that's okay. But see, now is I still love baseball and I play on a slow pitch team. And my coach and manager, Henry, I play with the guys out at the Airdrie uh, Regional, and we have a team in the Airdrie League called the Rampage, and, and I get to play with them. And this week, Henry says, you know, uh, I, you're in the lineup. I need you to play. I need you to play first base, and, and Wayne, I need a hit. I know you can do this. I believe in you. You can do this. You're the guy. And I'm going, okay. So the belief at this time was so awesome for me. And so I, uh, I get up there. And I get my bat, I'm a left-hander, and I'm up there. And the pitch comes in, I take the first pitch, the second pitch comes in, and I drive that, and it goes unbelievably just over the first baseman for a single. And but the fact is, I contributed. I got the hit. And, and I'll tell you, i got to be honest with you. When Henry said to me, you know, this isn't Henry Shore, it's Henry Wolf. Henry says, Wayne, I believe in you, you can do this, Right? What went through my mind was, what if, what if I strike out playing slow pitch? What if I don't hit the ball? What if I flub up at first base? You know, what, what if, what if, all these doubts in my mind, what if I don't do well? And friends, let me encourage you, don't go to results right away when you think of living out. Go with trusting the nature of the coach. And in this case, I trusted the nature of Henry's belief in me, and we need to trust in the nature of God. When he is calling us to do things and be part of his kingdom, he sees things in us that we don't necessarily see. And see, you are perfect for God's will. Now, I'm not saying you're perfect in who you are. I'm saying you're perfect for God's will, and he will use you. And I'm telling you right now, if you walk away from one thing in this message today, God wants you on his team. 
He needs you on his team and only you can fill the right place on his team because he believes in you and he sees things in you that you can't see in yourself because he knows the real you. But here's the deal, friends. The choice is up to you. Will you step up to the plate? Will you be that person that steps up to the plate when the coach calls you to get get in the lineup and to bat? Because that's your choice. Understanding that he believes in you and that he sees the best in you is not enough. You still have to make the choice to say yes. Observation number two is that God provides opportunities. So when again, we go back to the scripture, we look at this and said in, in verse seven, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers and I'm concerned about their suffering. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I to go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? God said, I will be with you and this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. And when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. And then he goes into chapter four. In chapter four, he talks about who gave human beings their mouths and who made them deaf or mute. Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go and I will help you speak and teach you what to say. So not only does God provide the opportunities, but he provides the tools as well. See, God's people are in need. And God sees that need and God responds to that need, but not always is the way all of us think. In this case, he does not assign a legion of angels. Now I can envision in my mind going, why didn't God send these angels with like sledgehammers to come down to the slave drivers and drive them into the ground like tent pegs? Or why didn't he use some super, supernatural colonic thing that's going around and suck them up the vortex and send them out to space? Why didn't he do something, something supernatural? But he didn't. What does he do? He chooses to send Moses. And when God responds to people's needs at times, he is going to send a miracle. And friends, many times, it's not the supernatural things that we think about. It's you. You are the miracle. You are the hands and feet of Christ. You are the people that can bring hope to people that have no hope. And as with Moses and with us, it's not about an application. It's not about resumes or interviews or all the qualifications. In fact, I kind of, when I look at the scripture verse again, and he says, go, I am sending you. I'm going, man, if I was in that, and God Almighty is, is, is saying, Wayne, you're to go. I'm, I'm telling you, it would make my navel pucker. I'm not even kidding. I'm going, wow. Because this is where I'm going. That's a lot to handle. But I can relate to Moses because this is how Moses responds to God's calling at this point, to this opportunity. See if you can relate like I do. Moses says in verse 11 to God, well, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers have sent me and they ask me what is his name, then what shall I tell them? Moses answered, but what if they do not believe me or listen to me and say the Lord did not appear to you? See, friends, you know, if I'm really honest with you, I'm, I'm a bit of a people pleaser at times. And this hits home. It hit home this week. You know, it's been a while since I've been in the pulpit at Center Street Church, and I'm going, well, what, what if I don't relate? What if I offend someone? You know, I, I don't know enough. I, I mean, 
Pastor Kent and Pastor Ashwin are incredible communicators, and I'm following up after them. And I mean, we've got one of the best godly men leading our church in Pastor Henry, and he's a phenomenal preacher. I'm better looking than he is, but he's a great preacher. Wow, I almost heard an amen there. Wow. But see, friends, in this story of Moses, it clearly shows us that it's quite natural for us to skirt the opportunities God provides for us. Even when we have a desire to be used of God, we often get paralyzed by insecurity. And I was there this week. So I look at the New Testament and I see some things about these opportunities. In John 6, we see a little boy who gave his lunch to Jesus and Jesus multiplies it and feeds the masses. In Luke 15, the friends of the paralytic man were determined for him to see Jesus so much that they cut a hole in the roof and lowered him down for that opportunity. In Luke 19, we see Jesus interacts and has a meal with Zacchaeus and completely changes his whole life around because Zacchaeus took the opportunity to interact with Jesus. Again, I bring back to the definition that we started off with today. The definition to live out is by living among, listening to, and loving people with a desire of connecting them to Jesus Christ and the Christian community in which we share. Again, it does not start out with a results mentality going, well, if I do this, this is what's going to happen. No, I go in there because my coach, my Lord, my God has said, I believe in you. I'm providing you this opportunity. I need you to be my hands and feet. See, God does not ask for your ability or your inability. He only asks for your availability, says Mary Kay Ash. I thought this is a great story to illustrate this at the the youth group at the River Road Church visited Holcomb Manor, a local nursing home, to hold services for the residents. And Daryl was a reluctant youth group volunteer and didn't like nursing homes, but when flu kind of came through the whole leadership team, Daryl was kind of pushed into action, and he said, I'll come and help out as long as I don't have to be part of the program. And during the service, Daryl felt awkward with this. And so what he did is he leaned against the back wall at the back of the auditorium there, and then they wheeled out two folks in wheelchairs you know, on either side of him. And as Daryl was kind of, kind of going, well, where's the door so I can make a quick exit and get back up to the vehicles really quickly, uh, an old, the old man in the chair to the right of him grabs his hand. And Daryl looks down, and he's a very frail old man. His, his mouth kind of hung open. His eyes and face had no expression. And what could he do? He just kind of held the hand of this man for a moment. As everybody began to leave, Daryl realized that he didn't want to leave the old man because Daryl himself had been left many times in his life. Caught off guard by his feelings, Daryl leaned over to the, to the man and said, I'm, I'm sorry, I have to go, but, but I promise I'll come back and see you again. And without warning, the man squeezed Daryl's hand. And then all of a sudden, Daryl's eyes filled with tears. He grabbed his stuff and started to leave and he heard himself say to the old man, I love you. And he goes, what is wrong with me? What is going on? What did I eat? (laughs) Daryl returned the next month and the next month and the next month. And it was every time it was the same. Daryl would stand at the back. Oliver would grab his hand. Daryl would go to leave. Oliver would squeeze his hand and Daryl would say softly, I love you, Mr. Leek. As the month went on, about a week before the service, Daryl found himself very excited and looking forward to visiting his aged friend. On Daryl's sixth visit, 
the service started, but all of her hadn't been wheeled out, which wasn't really a concern because sometimes with all of the, the residents there, the ones in the wheelchairs would come last. Halfway through the service, Oliver still wasn't there, and Daryl got a little alarmed. Went to see the head nurse and said, listen, Mr. Leek's not here. And the nurse said, could you please follow me, and took Daryl to room 27. Oliver lay in his bed. His eyes were closed, and his breathing was very uneven. And at 40 years of age, Daryl had never seen anyone dying before. But he knew that Oliver was near death. And slowly, he walked to the side of the bed and grabbed Oliver's hand. And when Oliver didn't respond, Daryl started to cry. He knew he might not see Oliver alive, and he had so much to wanted to say, but the words wouldn't come out. And he stayed with Daryl for the rest of the time for that next hour. And then when the youth director came and interrupted and said, it's time to leave, Daryl, we need you. Daryl stood beside the bed and squeezed Mr. Han- Mr. Leek's hand for the last time. I'm sorry, Oliver. I have to go. I love you. And as he unclasped his hand, he felt a squeeze. Oliver had responded. He'd squeezed Daryl's hand, and now Daryl is just crying unstoppably now. He stumbles towards the door and bumps into this young woman and says, I'm sorry. And she says, it's all right. I've been waiting to speak to you. I'm, I'm Oliver's granddaughter. He's, he's dying, you know. And, and Daryl said, I understand. I know. I wanted to meet you, she said, because the doctors called all of us family together, you know, and said that he doesn't have much time left. And, uh, We've always been close, and they told us he can't communicate, he can't talk, but you know what? He's been talking to me. Not much, but I know what he's saying. And last night, he woke up, bolted straight up, eyes were bright alert, and he looked at me and said, please say goodbye to Jesus for me. And he laid back down and closed his eyes. And it caught me off guard, and as soon as I kind of gathered my, my, my wits about me, I said, Grandpa, you don't have to worry about saying goodbye to Jesus. You're going to be with him soon. You can say hello. Grandpa struggled to open his eyes again, and this time his face lit up with this mischievous smile and said, as clearly as I'm talking to you, I know, but Jesus comes and visits me every month, and he may not know that I've gone. And he closed his eyes, and he hasn't spoken since. I told the nurse what he'd said, and he told me about you coming every month holding Grandpa's hand, and I wanted to thank you from him and from me And well, as I never thought of Jesus as being a chubby, balding, 40-year-old man, I imagine that Jesus is very glad to have had you you be mistaken for him. I know Grandpa is. Thank you. She leaned over and kissed Daryl on the forehead. Oliver Leake passed away peacefully the next morning. Friends, as a reluctant follower of Jesus, like like Daryl was, if he can be mistaken for Jesus... Maybe you and I can be too. When God brings us these opportunities because we know in our hearts that he believes in us, that he sees the best in us, that we can can seize these opportunities and be the hands and feet of God as those opportunities are presented to us. Third observation. God invites all of us to join him. Flaws and all. God invites all of us to be part of this. Flaws and all. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and teach you what to say. And after all these promises he's given, 
Moses in chapter 4, verse 13 says these words, Oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Ever felt that you were unqualified? Didn't have the right, part, the, the right training, education, or whatever? Have you ever found yourself making that excuse saying, God, please send someone else? I was there this week. But friends, the mark of true ministry is not perfection. In fact, in Paul, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 to 7, that he calls us jars of clay, indicating that he knew that imperfect people would be the ones carrying the responsibility of sharing, caring, and inviting people into kingdom life. See, clay pots are not perfect. They will break and they will crack and they're made out of water and dirt, just like we were at the beginning. But friends, get this, it's what's inside them that counts. So Paul says in verse five, for what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ is Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. You see, our effectiveness in ministry is not based on our pizzazz, on our charisma, on good speech, or eloquent presence. Our effectiveness is based on that these jars of clay are filled to the brim with priceless treasure. And Paul uses and borrows this illustration of the clay pots from the Roman army. After the battle, the Roman legions would, walk, would march into the city of Rome displaying their spoils of war. Plunder like gold and silver and jewels would be carried in these clay pots. Always the eyes of the people would be drawn to the sparkle and the glimmer of the treasure coming out of the top of the pot, not the dullness of the container. And friends, you and I are fragile, earthly vessels. Cracked pots. Not cracked pots, but cracked pots. The treasure is within you, every one of you. It's a treasure that comes to us through the power of God, not something we do on our own. It's a treasure that's housed in every one of us. It's a treasure that we can display even when we're broken, even when we're going through tough things, because we're not discarded. God doesn't look at the cracked pot and say, you're done. He invites us to be part of this kingdom purposes. In fact, our God who brought lightness into the darkness at creation now brings the light of light into the darkness right now. And it radiates new life. And if you will focus on the treasure in your pot, it's going to rearrange your thinking and your priorities in life. In fact, Jesus himself, this gives me hope. Jesus himself in John 14, 12 says this. I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works as I have done, comma, and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. See, even though we're a work in progress, God still invites us to be part of this unbelievable plan. And when I read this, I'm reminded that Jesus works through broken and, and cracked pots like myself. And I can do greater things because he has gone to the Father, because the strength and the power and the support all comes from that, because I realize where it comes from. Greater works, he says, and that's for me, is that there's no excuse. 
There's no excuse for Wayne Smeal not living this out. There's no excuse for me that I've come up with in the past. He's inviting me to be part of this. And believe me, friends, just because I'm a pastor and I have a role here at the church doesn't mean I'm any different than you. We're all cracked pots. Not cracked pots. Found this story. I don't know who wrote it. It doesn't have a name on it. It says it's unknown. A water, bearer in, a water bearer in India had two large pots, each hung at the end of a pole which he carried across his neck. One of the pots had a crack in it. And while the other pot was perfect and always delivered a full portion of water from the long walk at the end of the stream, the crack pot only brought half a pot back. For two years, this went on daily with the bearer delivering only one and a half pots of water to his master's house. And of course, the imperfect pot was proud of his accomplishment because he was perfect. He was created for this and he did it. The cracked pot was ashamed of his own imperfection. And it was miserable. He was only able to accomplish half of what he was supposed to be created for. And after two years of what he perceived to be bitter failure, he spoke to the water bearer one day by the stream. I am ashamed of myself. And I want to apologize to you. Why, said the bearer, what? what are you ashamed of? I have been able for these past two years to deliver only half of the water because of this crack in my side. All right, And it leaks out all the way to the master's house. And because of my cracks, you have to do all of this work and you don't get full value for your efforts. And the water bearer felt sorry for the old crack pot and, and said in compassion, well, as we return to the master's house, I want you to notice the beautiful flowers along the path. And indeed, as they went up the hill, this pot took notice of the warm sun, the sun warming the beautiful wildflowers on the side of the path, and it, it cheered him up some. But at the end of the trail, it still felt bad because it still had had half its load leaked out. And again, it apologized to the water bearer for its failure. And the bearer said to the pot, did you notice that there were only flowers on your side of the path, but not on the other pot's side? And that's because I have always known about your flaw and I took advantage of it. I planted flower seeds on your side of the path and every day while we walked back from the stream, you watered them. For two years, I have been able to pick these beautiful flowers to decorate my master's table. Without you being just the way you are, he would have never had this beauty to grace his house. God invites all of us to be living this out, flaws and all. In fact, three weeks ago, on a Wednesday morning, I'm not going to forget this, I'm driving to an appointment, and I was listening to Shine, and a, and a song came on the radio. It's a song by the Sidewalk Prophets called Live Like That. And as I continued to listen, I'd heard the song, but as I continued to listen to the words, I began to cry. Then I began to weep. I had to pull the car over at the side of the road because I'm crying, I'm weeping as I'm listening to this song and listening to these words. Lyrics like, I was love, was I love? When no one else would show up, was I Jesus to the least of us? Was my worship more than just a song? And I'm listening to this going, that is the cry of my heart. And I knew right then and there, friends, there was a bit of a wrestling match that was started to be not just about the message, but about living out. Father, we thank you for this time this morning in your house, for the words and the life of Moses, from the encouragement to Paul. Father, for the words of the song to live like that.
So God, I want to pray that you would bless your people, that you would guide your people, that you would direct your people, and that you would empower your people as they leave from this place today. May they feel your presence. May they feel your spirit as they go out and are living out what they believe they say they believe. Bless them, I pray, oh God. Thank you for meeting us with this, us, with us this morning. Bless us now as we depart. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, God bless you. If you have a prayer request, there would be some prayer partners up here. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter.